Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, rumors swirling about the draft prospects in the top 10. Of course, the teams that are picking in the top 10. That means it's officially draft week as there's only a couple more days away to the first round of the 2023 NFL draft. We'll hear from GM Dave Ziegler. He met with the media on Friday. Got a few more sound bites to hear from him. Plus, Aaron Rodgers is officially a Jet. What does that mean for New York? And what does that mean for the AFC? Your calls and texts will close out the show. All coming up on Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, April 25th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Just win. You ought to win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it's available. Of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, we appreciate you. And of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, it's because of my man Ari. The only reason we're up on YouTube each and every day is because Ari makes sure that we're there. So check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces. We thank you and we thank him in a major, major way. Lots to get to on today's show. News and notes here in segment number one. And I mentioned, and it's going to be every single day until the first round of the draft and probably the second round as well the draft is said and done but lots of rumors about the possibility of the Raiders making a move for CJ Stroud all of a sudden he is the guy that uh, a lot of uh, teams or somebody is targeting to try to make him drop down the draft board and that's kind of how it goes when it comes to the draft right early on it was all Bryce Young all CJ Stroud Will Levis was kind of in that conversation then all of a sudden it went dark on Will Levis now Will Levis's name is being surrounded with the number two overall pick maybe the Houston Texans go that direction maybe the Colts at number four go that direction all of a sudden people are talking about Will Levis again and now CJ Stroud is like enemy of the state so again, that's just how draft week goes. Uh, it's going to go like a roller coaster effect as always. That could be because teams want, uh, you know, CJ Stroud to drop. That could be because uh, agents want Will Levis to go up. I mean, I don't really know the reason why, but we know it happens each and every year. Some guys will, you know, their name will get pumped up the last week before the draft. And usually it's this week when there's somebody, I think Baker Mayfield, right? He really started coming on when Cleveland decided that they were going to make him the mo- number one overall pick. He really started coming on at the last minute, and all of a sudden the day of the draft, like there was rumors and reports from Shefty and others that, yeah, Baker Mayfield indeed is going to be the number one overall pick. So uh, the closer we get to Thursday, uh, the first round of the draft, the more we'll probably have a better idea of what's going on. So C.J. Stroud is starting to slow, go down the board apparently, and a lot of people are talking about the Raiders wouldn't even have to dra- uh, tra- like trade up to number three to get him but he actually could possibly drop to number seven. Now, I don't see that happening, but again, you never do know. Also, there's reports that the Raiders are leading cornerback Devin Witherspoon or offensive lineman Peter Skaronsky. So there's that, right? I don't think that the Raiders need to go offensive line with their first pick in the draft, but then again, they might go ahead and go that direction to solidify the trenches, right? They may say that that right side needs to be solidified. We do know that that Dave Ziegler loves versatility. Peter Skaronsky does provide that. A lot of people believe he's going to be a guard as opposed to a tackle, but uh, if they get part of that right side solidified, then you know that's half the battle. And, of course, that's what the Raiders are going to want to do at some point. So uh, there's reports about Peter Skaronsky could be the pick. They could go defense, Devin Witherspoon. Who knows if they go Christian Gonzalez, what they feel about him. But those are also some reports that are out there. Speaking of Peter Skaronsky, Dave Ziegler, when he met with us on Friday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, uh, he was asked about the versatility of Skaronsky and how that's similar to what Dylan Parham, the young man out of uh, Memphis that the Raiders drafted in the third round with their first pick last season. So he kind of compared and contrasted Dylan Parham and Peter Skaronsky and what he likes about Skaronsky and his versatility. 
Um, well, when you when you talk about Skaronski and and then you talk about um, Dylan, you know you're talking about two players that have multi position versatility, and you know we've talked about the value of that versatility. You only get so many players that you can take to the game, and so having players that can do different things and fill different spots that increases a player's value. Um, and and um, you know while he's played left tackle at at Northwestern, you you see a player that can play tackle. You see a player that has a I would say um, a play style that could go in and play guard. Too, uh, and, and so when we're so so that's attractive about him. Offensive lineman um, intelligence is important. You know, versatility is important. Um, I also think, like just in general, the ability to pass protect. Uh, you know that that and run blocking is important too. But I think um, you, you have to have a certain skill set to be able to to be um, a solid pass protector in the NFL from an athletic standpoint. And so I think those are that's an important trait when you're when you're differentiating between guys is you know some of the ability to pass protect. So there's Dave Ziegler talking about Peter Skaronski. So uh, you know clearly you know, versatility is one of the big things for for Dave Ziegler. That's something that they've been talking about and really preaching since day one. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Skaronsky be a guy that the Raiders are looking at and want to pick. I just, for my money, I don't think that they want to get him at number seven. I think that there's a bigger impact player that they can get at number seven, but that's just me. I'm not inside the the main the minds of Dave Ziegler. I'm not inside the minds of Champ Kelly, uh, Josh McDaniels, any of those guys. So I don't know what they covet the most, but I just feel like that there could be a bigger impact player drafted at number seven as opposed to an offensive lineman. But again, that's just me. So how about outside corners? I mentioned Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, and he's cornerback number one for me. I do like Christian Gonzalez. I do like Joey Porter. Emmanuel Forbes is my guy that I'd like at the back end of round one. But uh, yeah, I do like Devin Witherspoon. I think he'd fit in really well with what Patrick Graham wants to do. So here's Dave Ziegler talking about the traits that he's looking for from outside corners as it's a very deep draft when it comes to the corners. Um, I think one of the big things is, is, is guys that can um, affect the passing game by making plays on the football. I think that's a trait that you want to see. And it doesn't always materialize in college stats, though, um, because a lot of guys are asked to play a certain type of way. And then that's part of the, the difficulty in maybe evaluating the position. You may watch a guy that maybe doesn't have much ball production because they've asked him to play a bunch of cover three and he's playing, you know, seven, eight yards on the ball. But then when you look at his athletic traits, his short area quickness, his explosive burst, his speed, that's the level of projection that you have to make. But I think people that can make an impact on the ball is important. Um, you know, I think for us, um, we we have a little bit more diversification in our coverages in terms of both playing zone and playing in some man scheme. So uh, guys that can play man coverage, guys that you can see have a feel at the top of routes to match routes and stay in phase and those types of things. And also I'd say press technique, um, which is something I think you can improve on. But just a, a, a player's ability to play with patience at the line of scrimmage. Um, ability to affect the route and disrupt the route um, from a from a man-to-man situation um, are a couple of the traits that we look for. And there's also the aspect I think that gets lost is tackling. You know, you still have to be able to tackle. You know, you get edge runs, you get, especially, um, you know, the games become a little bit more horizontal, not as many vertical runs, you know, straight down the, the middle of the formation. And so guys that can show up and tackle, I think that's, um, you know, that's that's still an attractive trait for us too. So pretty detailed answer right there from GM Dave Ziegler about what he's looking for in corners. And of course, with Patrick Graham and the scheme that they run, they do have uh, many different schemes and many different styles. So they run some man uh, press covers. They do zone press covers. So again, I think Witherspoon, 
Witherspoon, uh, plus his physicality, I think that he would really bring a lot to that Raiders defense. And he's really a guy that I've been talking about quite a bit. And I remember talking to him at the Combine and how much I just liked his confidence and liked who he was and knowing that he comes from Illinois and it was, you know, not heavily recruited. He's one of those guys like Nate Hobbs who has a chip on his shoulder, but he's a better player than Nate Hobbs. So I could definitely see uh, Ziggler and, and Champ Kelly and, and Josh McDaniels making the move for Devin Witherspoon. I'd be okay with that. So then I followed up the corner question and asked about production versus potential and projections. Because again, uh, you hear Dave Ziegler talk about guys that can get their hands on the ball, guys that could affect plays, you know, not only just uh, make a breakup, not only just have a pass defense, but also come away with the interception. So I asked them, and you'll hear the question about production versus potential and also projections. Is there a fine line between guys who've had production in college and guys who you think have the they project to be the, that guy. You know, they have the potential to, to have that production on the next level. Yeah, you have to be careful, you know, and, and I think that's because you can uh, project something that's not there when you, you know, you project too much. And so I think you have to take all things into account, too. And that's why whether it's um, going from the, the game film to maybe a senior bowl practices um, or another all-star games practices or, you know, taking the combine and looking at some of the, the things that were, they were done there, maybe their ability to make plays on the ball because you didn't get to see them catch the football a lot. So you just take all those puzzle pieces that are made available to you to help in that projection. But I think it's, it's something you still have to be careful with. I think that's real important because I say it all the time, right, about guys that are in high school that make plays usually make plays in college. Guys that are in college that make plays usually find a way to make plays in, in the NFL. And I know, obviously, it's a different ball game. It's a different speed of the game. I get that. But guys that are just natural, uh, have that playmaking ability, like Emmanuel Forbes. That's why I like Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Is he going to get burned some? Absolutely. But he's a guy that just expects to make plays. And that's the kind of mentality you got to have when you're in the NFL. And the only way you're going to have that is is if you've already had it, right? All of a sudden, they can't teach you to be a ball hawk. If you weren't that guy in college, you most likely won't be that guy in the NFL. So that's why I asked the question about production versus potential and projections. And you saw what he said, that you got to be really careful because you could project something that's not there. The worst case scenario would be to project something that wasn't there. I think that's what the Raiders did with Damon Arnett. When they drafted him in the first round, they projected him to be, you know, some stud because, well, he played across from Jeffrey Akuda and he got a lot of attention and he actually, you know, stood up pretty well at times. So they projected him to all of a sudden take that and carry it over to the NFL where that wasn't the case. Even though he had a bunch of red flags, they're like, ah, yeah, it'll work out. Not a big deal. So uh, I think it's very careful. You got to really look for guys that have already had production in college because they'll look to have that same production in the NFL. Now, one guy who we talked about and debated a lot on, on the Locked On Raiders podcast and on the radio and just nationally is defensive tackle Jalen Carter out of Georgia. So Dave Ziegler was asked if that situation with Jalen Carter is a little bit more complicated for the Raiders as opposed to the other teams because of what happened with Henry Ruggs here in Las Vegas. No, I don't, I don't think so. For me, it's not, Adam, in terms of more complicated. I think, you know, looking at Jalen, we looked at Jalen like every other player um, that's in the draft and, and, and doing our due diligence on all aspects of the player from football learning, from practice habits, um, from the personal side of things, on the field, off the field, um, how people interact, how they interact with people, how they treat people, um, you know, their experience at the pro day combine, all of those different aspects. Um, I, I don't think we um, 
we want to cheat the process with any prospect in that regard. We want to hit those bases for each individual prospect. And then, of course, on some prospects, it's deeper, right? There's just more things to look at and, and more things to consider based on, you know, their situation. And so um, he, Jalen, in, in that regard, was, um, you know, similar and, and, and to a lot of players in the draft and, you know, feel very comfortable with the work that we've done on him. So Dave Ziegler said no. No, it's not more complicated. And, you know, the thing about it is uh, the one not get me out of jail, you know, card. But the, the one thing that, that he can hang his hat on is like, hey, I wasn't involved in the Henry Rugg situation. All that was before this staff, before Ziegler, before Kelly, before McDaniels. I mean, that was all the former staff. So that's how they could say, nope, that's not that's not on our watch. And I don't think Henry Ruggs is a bad dude. I just think Henry Ruggs made a bad decision. So if. Jalen Carter's there at number seven. It feels like if they did the background check and they feel like everything checks out, that he could be a player for them, right? I mean, I, I don't know if that's that's the case. I don't know if they've, you know, wiped him off their board. Uh, I know that was a report early from Vic Tafer, but it seems like that that was shot down, that that was not the case. And just listening to what Dave Ziegler had to say about uh, that situation not being more complicated, seems like that, you know, if, if he's there at seven, and like I said, if all the background checked out, then they would have no problem going ahead and picking them because, again, they weren't the ones that picked Henry Ruggs. They weren't the ones that picked Damon Arnett. They weren't involved in any of that stuff. That was all the previous staff. Just got a couple more sound bites for you from Dave Ziegler, uh, his media session that he had with us at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center on Friday. And one is a very important one about having 12 picks and how much pressure is there to get it right. So here's Dave Ziegler talking about is there pressure to get it right since he does have the 12 picks. Yes. Want to get twelve? I want to get 12, 12 contributing players, you know. And so, um, yeah, we put that pressure on, on ourselves, and I put that pressure on on myself, and Josh puts the pressure on himself. And just as a, as a as a scouting department, we feel that pressure in a good way because um, I think that pressure drives you. You know, it drives you when you're when you're meeting for fifteen straight days. Um, you know, there there's a, a monotony that can you know that you could let grow in. But um, I think that pressure, that motivation to get it right, that motivation to improve the team. Though that's the pressure that that keeps us, um, you know, keeps us pushing and keeps us focused and dialed in. And that's the thing about it. There's definitely pressure, right? I knew when I asked when I didn't ask the question, Ed Graney did. But when he asked the question, I knew that the answer was yes, because I mean, this is a huge draft. 12 draft picks, and I don't believe, I've said it from day one, I don't believe that they'll make 12 selections. I really don't. You don't need 12 picks. But it gives you the opportunity to navigate around the draft and really be selective and say, all right, you know what? We want to target this guy. Let's do what it takes to go get him, right? If they start to see somebody that falls, they can make a move for him. But they've got to get it right. And the reason, and it's, it's probably unfair pressure on them, but there's been so many misses with the Raiders' uh, previous staffs that they're in the position where they've got to rebuild the talent cupboard and it's really on their watch. So they've got to get it done. And so with the year that you have 12 picks, it's really like, all right, here you go. It's your opportunity. Just like when John Gruden and company had the three first-round draft picks. All right, this is the draft. you got to get it right, right? This is a huge draft, and it was. It was one of the most important drafts in the history of the Raiders, and it just didn't go the way it was supposed to go. It just didn't. I know they hit on later-round picks, which is great, but to miss out on all your first-round picks for the most part is just not a Okay, think about it. Five first-round picks in two years, and who's left on the team? No Henry Ruggs, no Damon Arnett, no Cleve Farrell, no Jonathan Abram, and Josh Jacobs is on the franchise tag. Like, that is a fail, right? That is an absolute fail. So now Dave Ziegler only has the one uh, first-round pick. He's got to get that right, but on top of that, he's got 12 total. So he can really work his way around the draft and really get some good players to add to the team. It's funny, I was sitting in my office at the radio station on Monday and our promotions guy, Craig, walked in and said, because uh, he knew I was going to Kansas City, he was like, man, just tell me the Raiders are going to get some good players. 
I was like, well, they got 12 cracks at it. He's like, how can they miss? And I said, don't ask me that question, dude. <laughs> don't ask me that question because it's, it's been there, done that, right? So I said, I, look, man, I, I believe in Dave Ziegler. I believe in Champ Kelly. I believe they'll get it right. And maybe this is blind, blind faith that I'm rolling on. But something about when Dave Ziegler talks and you hear him, you know, break down these players, it just there's something calm, cool and collective about him that makes me feel like he's going to get it right. I really feel like the right people were in place to get this franchise turned around again. That could be wishful thinking. And if I'm wrong, then I'll come back and be like, you know what? My bad. Guess I didn't get that right. But it's just something about, like I said, talking to the guy seems like he's got everything right where he wants it. And he's ready to go ahead and start turning this franchise around as far as a lot of talent on the team. So as far as I'm, I'm concerned, things are going to go right. But of course, they've got to execute. And I mentioned those 12 picks and what they could do with those 12 picks. I don't think that they're going to select guys at every single, you know, every single uh, location. I think that they're going to package a couple, move up. They'll probably trade back a little bit. If you remember a year ago, he traded back quite a bit, right, when it came to, uh, you know, to the draft. So I think he's going to do that again. Uh, they'll probably come away out of the draft with about eight players. But you know, there's a possibility that they can do a lot of good things, including trading back into the back end of round one. Something I said a couple weeks ago, I thought was going to happen. And this is just a gut feeling. I just think with all those draft uh, pet picks that they have uh, to them, that they have an opportunity to go ahead and trade back into the back end of round one if they see someone dropping uh, that they really like, like an Emmanuel Forbes. And I, I don't know if that's a player that they like, but that's a player that I like. So I'm just throwing that out there. So Dave Ziegler was asked about the possibility of trading back into the back end of round one. And if that's so complicated, depending on how far he's trying to move up from, you know, where they are at number in the second round, which is 38, where are they trying to trade up to? Are they trying to trade up to 25 or are they trying to trade up to 31, right? There's a big difference in that. And if that's going to play a big factor and if they're able to do it. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to weigh and, and you have to understand in that, in that situation, just the, the, um, landscape of the first round. And you have to, there's a lot that goes into that understanding the gap between, you know, the second rated corner on your board or the um, the second rate defensive tackle versus the fourth defensive tackle or the second tight end on the board versus the third tight end on the board. What's that gap in terms of skill? What's that gap in terms of where you think you could potentially draft that player? If you're trading up in the draft, how many players could that potentially take you out of? And so there's a lot of that mechanics. And then there's some guessing to that, obviously, because we don't know. But there's a lot of those conversations that you have to um, you have to work through before Thursday and have an understanding of at least what you would be willing to do. So there you go. Dave Ziegler on the tra possibility of trading back into the back end of round one. Again, something I just feel like that they're going to do. I don't know why I feel like on Thursday they're going to come away with two picks in the first round, but I really do. We'll see if it shakes out that way. But again, that's just kind of what my gut feeling tells me. Coming up in segment number two, Aaron Rodgers is now officially a J-E-T-S Jet. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the compensation that uh, the Jets had to give up to Green Bay to get him. And also, what does that mean for the AFC? We'll do that after I tell you about FanDuel. And if you're watching baseball like I watch baseball, there's a lot of home runs being hit. There's no hitters being thrown. Double plays are back. Stolen bases are going down. No better place to get in on the Major League Baseball action than FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. And there's all kinds of different things you could bet on. And you know, it's funny. I said uh, no hitters. I don't believe there's been a no hitter thrown yet in baseball. I, I don't think there has. And I, this might be, well, we're almost, what, a month into baseball already? And I don't think there's been a no hitter hit. So maybe that's something you could place a bet on. Either way, you have a great chance to get a no sweat first bet at the $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. 
your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the fact that he is finally a Jet. Like, we knew it was going to happen. He went on McAfee a long time ago, said he wants to be a member of the Jets, and then all of a sudden it just came to a, a halt, right? It came to a stop. They couldn't agree on compensation, something I thought that they did backwards with the Packers. They should have agreed on compensation before they ever went and visited with Aaron Rodgers and, and agreed to with him that he'd come play for him. They should have got the whole compensation thing worked out. Then they wouldn't have had to drag their feet like they did but finally on Monday it got done so here it is the Jets they get Aaron Rodgers pick number 15 in this upcoming draft a 2023 fifth round pick which is number 170 overall Uh, the Packers they get pick number 13 so basically the Jets and the Packers swap their first round picks also the Packers get a 2023 second round pick which is number 42 a six-round pick, number 207, a conditional 2024 second-round pick that will become a first-round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. So there it is. That's what happens. I'm not sure as far as the compensation when it comes to money, how much the Packers are going to be on the uh, on the hook for and how much the Jets are actually going to pay of that $60 million salary that Aaron Rodgers has. But for me, in my money, that's a lot of capital that they had to give up for Aaron Rodgers. And I know I went on the show and talked about getting Aaron Rodgers. And if it was a reasonable price, would you be interested in it? And I said, I'd be very interested in getting Aaron Rodgers if it was a reasonable price. And I'm sorry, Raider Nation, I don't think that that is a reasonable price. Think about it. Uh, 2024 second round pick becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the play. So if he does more than 65%, then all of a sudden that, uh, that, that second round pick turns into a first round pick. What if he decides he wants to retire after that? But he played 85 or 90% of the, the season. Right. Then all of a sudden the the Jets are screwed. They're looking for another quarterback and they don't have a first round pick. It just it it, it seemed like a lot to me. And Andrew Brandt, who is a former Packers executive, he's all time great. Right. I mean, he does a lot of good stuff now, uh, you know, on uh, Monday morning quarterback and all that good stuff. But a long time Packers executive. Matter of fact, signed Aaron Rodgers to his rookie deal. He put out on Twitter, let's get this straight. The Packers get a first-round pick swap in 2023, a high second-round pick in 2023, a likely first-round pick in 2024, at worst a second, a $60 million financial obligation taken off their hands for a player that was never going to play for them again, (laughs) right? I mean, that's the reality of it, right? Aaron Rodgers definitely wasn't going to play. Andrew Brandt went on to say, what I still don't understand from a Jets perspective, the 2024 second converts to a first with 65% playing time. No statistical conditions, no playoff conditions, really. So what that means is the Jets believe they're a Super Bowl team. They believe they're going to be playing at the end of the season in Allegiant Stadium representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. That's what they're banking on. This is going to be a one-year thing uh, to them, and they're going to go basically year-to-year with Aaron Rodgers, but they're putting all their chips in the basket of getting it done just this year. Are the Jets a much better team with Aaron Rodgers? Sure. Are they a Super Bowl team? I'm not too sure about that. I think they still have some some areas of, of, of need. They still got to go ahead and improve a few different uh, areas of that team. The defense, really sticking good. So I like the defense. But how quickly can Aaron Rodgers get up to speed with the wide receivers that are there? Of course, he's got some people that are familiar, like Alan Lazard there. So that's, that's a lot. And then the Jordan Love era for Green Bay is going to get started. And it's funny, uh, you know how long Jordan Love's been in the league. The Packers have to decide on Jordan Love's fifth-year option by next week, <laughs> by May 1st, and it's worth 20 million fully guaranteed for 2024, which is not a a lot to pay for a quarterback, but just to realize that Jordan Love has done basically a whole lot of nothing in the NFL so far, and he's already got to have a fifth-year option decision made by next week, which is May 1st. And, of course, they'll pick it up, but, you know, he's going to get that $20 million bag no matter what. So 
What does this mean for the AFC quarterbacks? And what does this mean for the silver and black? Just think about this. And I've talked about it quite a bit on the show, but Albert Breer, fantastic uh, writer for Monday Morning Quarterback on SI, he put this out on Twitter as well. He said, so let's look at the list for the AFC quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. If Lamar stays in Baltimore, at least two of the quarterbacks on the list that I just ran off will miss the playoffs in 2023. Think about that, right? I mean, there is, what, nine quarterbacks on that list. So at least two of those really good quarterbacks are going to miss. And so what it does for the Raiders, in my perspective, means at some point you've got to get a dude that can compete with those guys. And I'm not saying they got to do it this year. I know I've been talking about Anthony Richardson if he falls to the Raiders at seven, C.J. Stroud if he falls to the Raiders at seven, or if they decide that that was their guy and they want to trade up and go get him, maybe that's a possibility. I'm not saying that they have to address the quarterback this year, right? I'm not saying that they're one quarterback away, one Anthony Richardson, one C.J. Stroud, hell, one Bryce Young away from being a Super Bowl team. But at some point, you realize they do have to find a guy that can compete with those dudes. Again, Allen, young cat, going to be around for a while. Burrow hasn't even hit his second contract yet. Herbert, same thing. Lamar, who knows what's going to happen with his situation. Probably something gets done sooner rather than later. Trevor Lawrence, we know he's just scratching the surface. Patrick Mahomes is going to be around for a while. Rodgers, of course, won't be around long. You know, a year, two years max. Deshaun Watson, feel like he's going to be a while, uh, be there in a, a while for Cleveland. And then Russell Wilson, I, I guess you could sit there and say, yeah, I don't know how long he's got left in the tank, especially if he doesn't do what he's supposed to this year. I can see Sean Payton moving on from him. But still, the point point is there's some really sticking good quarterbacks in the AFC and at some point the Raiders have got to do better than Jimmy G and that's not a slight to Jimmy G that's just reality I think we all know who Jimmy G is he's not going to be a guy that's going to gunsling it with those guys and I'm not saying gunslinging is the best way to go at all times but at some point you've got to have a dude that could put the team on his arm and say I got this don't worry I'm going to get it done all those quarterbacks I ran off can do that the Raiders got to find their guy. Again, it doesn't necessarily have to be this year, but at some point they've got to get it done. And I don't know what the wins are going to be looking like this year for the silver and black. You know, I mean, they had six in 2022. I'm assuming that they're going to do a little bit better than that. Uh, if all things go better, if their defense is better and Jimmy G can stay healthy, I'm assuming they're going to do better than six. So I just look at it and say, okay, so when's the next time they can get that quarterback that that can be that dude that can compete with those guys, right? And I've kind of floated the idea. Maybe they build up the defense and build up the rest of the team this year and really go all in on building the team and then look at it and say, okay, now we got to go get our Superman. We've got to get our, our guy that can compete with Mahomes, with Herbert, with Burrow, with Allen, with Watson, with Lawrence, you know, all the Lamar, you know, all those guys. Maybe they go do that the following year. And that's fine if that's the plan. But I don't, I don't know when they address that position and, and that Superman and that's why I took a shot on the Fitz and Harry draft and I know a lot of people didn't like it that's why I took a shot on, on Anthony Richardson because if he is that guy and all he has to do is sit behind Jimmy G for a year or two and all of a sudden could turn into that dude just like uh, Patrick Mahomes was allowed to sit behind Alex Smith for a year before he was given the reins if that could be Anthony Richardson and I know he's got some work to do uh, I know that he only has 13 games of uh, college starts. So, you know, obviously that's not the same as Mahomes. Mahomes had plenty of, of action that he played at Texas Tech. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that the two are the same. But if he can get on the same page, if he can work his tail off, like I do believe he will, and get to where he needs to go, he could end up being that dude. 
And if he could be anything like Cam Newton, and again, that's tough to you know put anything like that. Cam Newton was a national champion coming out of college. Cam Newton was a number one overall pick. Cam Newton ended up being a league MVP. But if he can end up turning that athleticism and figuring out as a quarterback as well, he could be dangerous. That's why I you know throw him into the mix. C.J. Stroud, I like his uh, accuracy. I think he could be really good. I know a lot of people are down because of the S2 scores. They're thinking that he's a dummy and he's not going to be able to figure things out. I don't believe that. But he has the Ohio State quarterback stigma that's on him, so there's that. Hendon Hooker, he's got accuracy. Uh, he threw a lot of touchdowns as opposed to very little uh, interceptions in college, but he's also coming out of that Tennessee offense, right? I mean, there's again, there, all these guys have warts. Will Levis had a bad year, was banged up last year. You know, could he be better? Could he be the guy he was in 2021? Sure. But you also have to make sure you develop him. Could some of these later-round picks be that guy? Maybe. Right. I, I have my doubts. I, I know I like DTR a lot. Dorian Thompson-Robinson out of UCLA. Can he be that guy? Maybe, right? But he'd have to take some development. Jake Hayner out of Fresno State, maybe, <laughs> right? I mean, Clayton Tewin out of Houston, maybe. I mean, it, it's all the same, right? I mean, again, this is not the sexiest quarterback class at all. It's really not the sexiest class as far as just top-end talent. I mean, Todd McShay, going back to his uh, pre-draft conference call he had the other day, said he had first 17 uh, first-round grades out of 31 guys selected, 31 teams selected, he only had 17 first-round grades. So that lets you know that's barely even half the first round uh, are really first-round guys. So the other half is going to get picked in the first round and not be first-round talent. So there's that. But at some point, the point of this, this segment here is the Raiders got to go find their guy that could compete with the likes of Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. That's a murderer's row right there of quarterbacks represented in the AFC. That's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Uh, look at Aaron Rodgers and the deal he did uh, to go to the New York Jets or the deal that the Jets made with the Packers so he can be a member of the Jets and also looking at how that affects the quarterbacks in the AFC. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts draft that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about Better Help. This episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast is brought to you by Better Help. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash locked on and get on your way to being your best self. What do I mean by that? Well, in life, it never comes with an instruction manual, right? When you think everything is cruising along and you got everything figured out, you're good to go, that's when a curveball hits you. Or all of a sudden, something out of left field comes along and you didn't see it coming. And then you're looking for the instruction manual and you realize, oh, wait, hold on. Life doesn't have an instruction manual. And so you just never know uh, what it's going to take to help get you back on the straight and narrow and get you back to where you need to be. And sometimes it's as simple as is talking to somebody, and that's where BetterHelp comes in. If you've ever, ever thought about any kind of uh, therapy, give BetterHelp an opportunity. All you got to do is check out BetterHelp.com. Fill out their brief questionnaire. Get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And everything is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. So if you want to discover your potential with BetterHelp, check them out today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. Again, BetterHelp, BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with ABA Ivan Davis. He's calling to talk about a couple things. One, the A's, and also a project quarterback. Here he is, ABA Ivan Davis. Sub Q, this is ABA Ivan Davis. Uh, I just called about two things. Uh, thank you for exposing the A's for the criminal element that they are and how they got rid of the Raiders. A lot of fans don't know that, that it was the A's that forced Mark Davis out. Mark Davis takes a really bad rap in Oakland because they just don't know the inside information about that, that the A's had everything to do with that and wouldn't let it it help stall negotiation. And now all of a sudden they're gone. Okay. Uh, and, And the fans out here are hurting like real bad. Because they've been, because most of them are Raider fans. Okay, and they feel like they've been jilted twice. And they have. But both times by the A's. And the other one, back, back to Raider news, is, uh, ESPN had a special on a quarterback, you know, that, that could be another, uh, Purdy from San Francisco. The guy set passing records in, in, in college, but he played at a Division II school that wasn't competitive, and I'm just curious what you think the Raiders could take him as a project uh, in the seventh round since we got a couple of extra picks. Okay, uh, he's supposed to drop all the way down there, but he threw for over 17,000 yards. Okay, uh, tell me what you think. All right, go Raiders. Thanks so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And, yeah, the A's are a sore subject, man. They make me mad, right? I mean, their business operation is just not what it's supposed to be. Uh, They haven't been putting out a very good product on the field. I mean, literally, they've been putting out their AAA team on the field for the longest. And the AAA team is the Aviators. They already play here in Las Vegas, and I'm good with that. I'm good with just having them. They have a beautiful ballpark. Let's stick to that. That's fine. I I don't mind going to the the ballpark, checking out the minor leaguers, because I know it's minor leaguers. Uh, You know, Oakland, the way that they did the city of Oakland and really uh, pinned them against themselves again, I mean, they just keep doing that and... You know, I don't want to get into all the politics about, you know, what the city did, what the A's did and all that. It's just it wasn't right. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, the ones that suffer the most are the fans there in the Bay Area that are big A's fans. And I know how loyal the A's fan base is. I mean, look, we're talking about the Raiders every day. I know how loyal the Raider fan base is. But, man, uh, there's something special about going to an A's game at the Coliseum that just it's just a shame that they've put the kind of product out on the field and the players out there on the field. It's no fault of the players, right? I mean, it's the management that's been choosing to act like that they're a poorly ran um, team when they're really not. They make money hand over fist. They just choose to be cheap about it and not spend any money and get rid of all their good players and not take care of their building and have, you know, just ridiculousness going on in the press box and all that. It's just, it's just bad, man. So I just, I just feel for the fan base because, again, it's just like another – Another pro team is getting, you know, ripped right from underneath them. And it just, it sucks, right? The Warriors are in San Francisco. The Raiders obviously here in Vegas. Now the A's trying to, you know, chase down their coattails and come down to Vegas too. It just, it just sucks, you know, but I get it. That's just kind of how it goes. And like I said, don't really want to get into the politics. Uh, Everything played a role in it, but you know, the A's just seemed like that they were always looking for something else the whole time. But 
there's that. As far as the uh, the quarterback, you're talking about the quarterback from Shepard. Uh, his dad was actually a champion arm wrestler, uh, Tyson uh, Bagent. Bagent, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, I did see that special on ESPN that you were talking about, and his dad is very adamant that he's the best quarterback in the draft. We'll see when he gets selected. He would definitely be a project. He probably will be an undrafted free agent, or he might turn into a Brock Purdy, like a Mr. Irrelevant, right? Get, tra- get drafted probably late in the seventh round or something like that, but he very well could end up being – uh, you know, a guy that's an undrafted free agent. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Raiders saw him and, and brought him to camp just to see what he's got. I'm not guaranteeing he's going to be anybody, but I know that they like guys that have gone through some some things, right, some trials and tribulations, uh, make them kind of harder workers. So maybe there's somebody that they would take a look at. I'm not too sure, but uh, it's funny that you brought up that special because I did see it just the other night on ESPN. Up next, got a text from HK. In the 559 said, what up, Q? My text is about the guy that got upset at your mock draft pick. In my opinion, talent doesn't equal being a dog. You know how many talented people are sitting on the couch? To me, a dog is someone who made something of themselves, even though they were told their whole life they weren't going to be anything. Max Crosby was overlooked by most teams, but he proved everyone wrong, not because of talent, but because he works hard. If you look at his tape, he didn't have good technique. He just worked. That guy said we need dogs. Take the best talent available. Talent doesn't always equal hard work. That's HK in the 559. And you ain't got to tell me that, brother. You know, I sign up for that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I believe in hard work over everything. And that's why I'm willing to, to roll the dice on Anthony Richardson if he were to fall to the Raiders at seven, right? And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're trying to sell them to the... No, I'm not. I'm just saying I believe in people with that strong work ethic. And maybe I believe in them to a fault. And that's fine. I'll, 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 I'll buy that. But I'll tell you right now, I'd rather have a bunch of dudes, like you mentioned, Max Crosby, that are just going to work their tail off to be great as opposed to guys who just walk in and think that they're great, right? I'll take that talented, that dude who's maybe not as talented but will be the harder worker. I'll take that dude every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Like I said, that could be me to a fault, but that's what I'm a roll. That's how I'm rolling. I'm good with that. So thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. And like I said, you ain't got to uh, tell me, man. Uh, when it comes to working hard, I sign up for that. All the time. I'm on I'm on Team HK when it comes to that. Up next, got a call from Proto. He's calling from the 778. He's calling to talk about a few draft prospects that he's got his eye on this week as we get closer and closer to the first round of the draft. Here he is, Proto from the 778. Yo, Q, it's draft week, baby! Draft week! Honestly, these are some of the best weeks of my life, so I cannot wait for everything that happens. By the way, this is Proto from the 778. And I got a couple guys that I want to talk about that I've kind of changed my mind on. Uh, Christian Gonzalez. Initially, I thought if he's there, just straight down because I don't particularly like him. But there is one thing with him that I do like is that he's very young. I believe he's only 21 years old. That actually does make me a little bit better on him just because he will give you a lot of longevity. Uh, And there's probably still a lot of growth to come from him. Secondly, Tyra Wilson. I'm going to be honest, Q. I'm pushing him down on my board, man. I'm not. Uh, everything I'm hearing, there's nothing that's consensus on Tyree Wilson. So I don't think I'm a fan. I think I think if he's there, I would love to see a trade down. Uh, I, was, I would be okay if you picked him up around like 15 to 20. But before that, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I just I think he's got a lot of upside. But unlike Christian Gonzalez, he's actually not that young. So, again, that's something to consider. I believe he's already like 24 years old uh, by the time he's going to start an NFL career. So something to look at there. Um, besides that, I'm still really pulling for Devin Witherspoon, but I just don't think Devin Witherspoon is going to be there. I think the Lions are going to snatch him up, man. 
So I still think I still think the best scenario would be a trade down. I would love a trade down to get to around 11, 12, and pick up Joey Porter Jr. because it seems like the Raiders are really high on him. So if they can like trade down a bit to get him around 11 and 12, that would feel so much better. I'm not gonna lie. So. Right now, though, I mean, I'm excited about this draft. I really hope they're knocking it out of the park. But that's kind of where I'm going with my thought process. Anyways, let me know what you think. And as always, Raiders. There you go, my man. I like the I like the thoughts. Christian Gonzalez, Tyree Wilson, Devin Witherspoon, a potential trade down to 11 or 12, grab Joey Porter Jr. I like those guys, right? I know you said you're not as high on Tyree Wilson. I think all those guys would be really good defensive players for the Silver and Black. I think there's a place for all those guys on the Raiders. Gonzalez and Porter, I mean, those are no, and Witherspoon, no-brainers. The Raiders need corner help, and they need some dudes at the corner. Like, they can have guys, but they need dudes. Uh, Tyree Wilson, I think he's going to turn into a dude. I don't think he's going to be a dude immediately. I think he could be a guy that could be a piece of a rotation, but I think similar to Max Crosby, he's got, he's got greatness in front of him. Right. So, I mean, you look at the production he's had in college. I think that there's some good stuff to to grow on there. So going back to what Dave Ziegler said, uh, you heard it from him in segment number one. He does want to see the production. Well, Wilson has production and I think he's only getting better. That guy, I, I just there's something about Tyree Wilson. I really believe in. I think all those guys would be great additions to the Raiders defense. So I don't have I don't have any problems with any of those. And then, like you said, if they trade back to 11 or 12 and they're still able to get a guy like Joey Porter Jr., that's cool. That's what I did in the locked on mock draft, right? I traded back to 10 and still got uh, Devin Witherspoon. And I could have traded back to 11 and still got him. But I just made a mistake and, and kind of played my cards out, out loud <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, being secretive. And I would have ended up trading with the Titans and I would have got one more pick, which it wasn't a whole lot. But still, I could have made one more move and got uh, and still got the guy that I was looking for. So, Proto, thanks for the call. We'll see how it all shakes out, man. I'll probably talk to all those guys this week as I'll be in Kansas City. I'm excited about that. Gonzalez will be in the green room. Tyree will be in the green room with a spoon. All those guys, Joey Porter Jr. So if everything goes the way I believe it's going to go, you should hear from those guys before the draft on Thursday. Uh, up next, got a text from Raider Rather. So, yo, what's up, Q? It's Raider Rather representing the nation out in the 304, almost heaven. I was messaging my Snapchat Al earlier today, and I asked if what position he thinks the Raiders should take at seven, and he responded with offensive alignment of all things. I, for one, think we should listen to our robot overlords and take alignment in round one to protect Jimmy, Mr. Glass, Garoppolo from getting killed in the pocket. Maybe a guy like Skaronsky out of Northwestern who also may be available if the Raiders trade back, so there's some options. Appreciate your show, Q. Keep, keep it going. Just win, baby. That's from Raider Rather, and thanks so much for the text, and look, uh, Skaronsky is one of the guys that has been rumored and reported that is, uh, you know, could be linked to the Raiders as early as seven. I don't think that they need to take an offensive lineman at seven, but I understand you do got to protect Jimmy Garoppolo. So if they decide to go offensive line there at seven, I don't think Raider Nation is going to be thrilled, uh, especially with the, the players there defensively that could be had. But it, it would make sense to to take care of the trenches, especially the right side of the offensive line. So uh, I wouldn't be mad. Skaronsky is one of the better offensive linemen. That's the thing. It's not like they'd be getting an offensive lineman that's not good. Right, Skaronsky is is definitely one of the better ones. Uh, they got him out there with Paris Johnson Jr. If you need a pure tackle, maybe Paris Johnson is the way you go. If you need a guy that could play multiple positions like Dave Ziegler likes, then maybe you take Skaronsky because he could play the tackle position. He could play the offensive guard position, uh, you know, multiple spots, which is, again, the versatility that Dave Ziegler is looking for. So thank you for that text, my man. I do appreciate you, and it's just another <laughs> another uh, you know, another element to be added to the mix of who could be available at seven 
when you're looking at the silver and black. Up next, got a call from Jordan in Oregon. He's calling to talk about the draft week, the convo I had with GM Dave Ziegler at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center on Friday, and also looking back at this draft process from day one of the offseason when we all knew it was time to get into the draft, what he was talking about and who he was looking at. Here's Jordan in Oregon. Hey, what's going on, Q? Jordan in Oregon calling in draft week here. Super stoked, man. That's finally here. It's been a long time coming, but... Hey, I wanted to call in. I love your, your interview with uh, GM Dave Ziegler. I uh, wanted to tell you, too, major props to you on your professionalism for for not, uh, you know, answering that question on who you would take, uh, especially live in front of everybody, and then causing maybe some sort of reaction on his that gets overlooked at, you know, stories break that, oh, well, Q said Richardson and Dave Ziegler said, good job or you know you just never know we don't want any of that stuff gaining traction before the draft here and so yeah i I mainly wanted to call in today to say you know after all of the the thought i've put into this draft i think it's really cool to 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 look back at like your very first initial thoughts like whenever you go through a really big process of evaluating anything whether it be your something with your job or professional football, it's always fun to go back and look at your initial thoughts and, and see how far you've kind of veered away from that. And Q, I got to tell you, man, is is uh, I just like uh, the old school, you know, playground picking football teams, hey, you get a pick, I get a pick, you get a pick. I, I would, from day one, have always been just super high on Stroud. I mean, from even watching his college tape to – Watching him in college, he's on a lot of major games. We've all seen him play. And, I mean, I I was seeing him getting picked apart pretty early, like why he shouldn't be the number one overall pick. And that blew my mind. I mean, like he's a he's a huge, huge, uh, has a lot of upside, big player, um, big arm, everything we need. He's, he's like you could plug him in and have your franchise quarterback. And so this whole IQ test or whatever this – crap is that's come out on the guy i i feel feel bad for him um because it seems like it's kind of been a, a lot of it coming out but i also could see it really benefiting going the raiders way and if if stroud somehow slips even just past that number two pick i i really hope um we get our future guy and that's kind of the one thing i wanted to bring up is my first initial thoughts of when we released car or the whole car situation was shaken out after the Pittsburgh game is I thought, you know what? I hope that the Raider nation, we can get our guy and we can get a rookie. We can get our guy that we can grow together with a young stud. And similar to what a lot of these uh, uh, teams that are super big time contenders right now, they grew with their guy. They groomed their guy. He was, you know, there's from the start. I just feel like, I know that might sound cheesy, but I feel like we we deserve that. And that's what I hope. Peace out, brother. Thank you so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you. CJ Stroud, that's been your guys since day one. And it's crazy how things goes in waves, right? I mean, for the longest, it was Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. One of those guys is going to go number one. One of those guys is going to go number two. Now it looks like C.J. Stroud is dropping. Bryce Young is solidified as the Panthers' number one guy. Uh, who knows where Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are going to go, but looks like C.J. Stroud is on that slide. Is he really on a slide, or is that them just talking? I don't know. I still wouldn't be shocked if we get to draft day and Houston takes C.J. Stroud at number two anyway. I still wouldn't be shocked because they need a quarterback, and it just seems like, yeah, they can go get their their defensive player, and maybe because D'Amico Ryans has extra time on his contract, I believe he has a six-year deal, 
that you know he feels com- comfortable that he can go and get a quarterback later if they're not really in love with the quarterbacks there. Uh, maybe they get one at 12 since they do pick at 12 again. So maybe they go and get a Hendon Hooker. I'm not too sure, but uh, it's going to be interesting, right? It's going to be real interesting to see how it goes. Um, I think that, you know, Richardson, I like Stroud. I like Richardson. I think those guys could both be really good quarterbacks in the league. Um, I think the edge rusher would be great, defensive tackle, cornerback. I mean, I, I don't think there's any element of the defense that could be addressed that would be a problem. Right At some point, the offensive line and tight end needs to be addressed as well. But when you have as many draft picks as the Raiders have, all of that could be addressed and then some. So that's what I'm excited about uh, as far as that goes. So thank you so much for that. We'll close out with one quick text from t- uh, Joby One Kenobi in Arlington, Texas. He says, Q, trade back three, swap, three spots, swap picks and take first round pick and a third round pick for next year. That will leave us two firsts and two thirds for next year. Now next year, trade up to number one and offer – or number two, wait, wait, hold on. Now next year, trade up to number one and offer or two number ones and maybe a number one for the following year or number ones and a number two second round pick for the number one next year. What do you think, Hugh? I think I'm confused. <laughs> Thanks for the text, but I think there was too many twos, ones, ones, twos, twos, ones. I don't know. I think basically what you're saying is get some more ammunition and trade up to number one or number two to go get the quarterback uh, that you really need. I think that's what you're talking about in this text. I'm not 100% sure, um, and I just don't think you can really bank on that. Right. That's that's the thing about it. I don't think you could bank on being able to uh, package a couple picks and move up. I, I think you have to bank on if you're going to try to move up to go target one of those guys uh, like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May next year, you'll probably have to sell the farm. You'll probably have to give up a ton of capital to go get those guys. I think that's something that you just have to brace yourself for. So if that's the way that the Raiders are going to do it, and I've talked about it a couple times, then they have to make sure that they build that team up this year. Get all the talent lined up where they need it to be defensively, offensively, make sure that that roster is solid. And then you can feel comfortable with saying, hey, we're about to give up everything to go up and get the guy that we think could take this team to the next level. That's really the only way you can do it. I don't think it's, you know, grab a couple picks here, grab a couple picks here, and that's going to solidify it. Uh, I think it's going to, the price of business is going to be high. And whoever's sitting there at the number one and number two spot is probably going to want a lot because they probably need a quarterback too. That's the reality of it. When you're trading up for a quarterback, it's always a ton. So that's all I got time for. Went a little bit long in today's show. Sorry, Ari. I appreciate you as always. Appreciate you dealing with me and my struggles with the time, but uh, had to get everything in or wanted to get everything in. So I think that we did a good job with that. So uh, there it is. That's all we got for you for today. For tomorrow's show, we'll have more calls and texts off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. News and notes as I'll be in Kansas City, uh, depending on what time you're listening to this. My flight's actually at 6 a.m., uh, so I'm going to be taking off out of Las Vegas and landing in Kansas City, be able to do the radio show from KC and uh, rocking and rolling the rest of the week and uh, be back here in Vegas on Saturday. So everything the rest of the way will come from Kansas City. We'll talk to draft prospects. We'll talk to NFL network guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis, Joel Klatt. All those guys will be made available. ESPN guys will be made available. I'm supposed to be linking up with RG3, so maybe he'll be part of the show. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be a busy week in Kansas City, but I'm looking forward to it. So Raider Nation, until then, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.